I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. The year is 1980. Sydney's streets are filthy, running rampant with crime and corruption. Puberty blues is onto the cinemas, Ice House is blaring on the stereo, it's humid and dangerous, and a young man has decided to join the police force to fight crime. That man, of course, is my dad. Loose Units, the podcast, was created to tell the cases that wouldn't fit into my first book, Loose Units. But Loose Units was a series of fantastical tales that I wrote based on the real crimes my dad solved on the force back in the early 80s. So this season, Dad and I are finally going to go back, back, back to the year 1980, and each week we'll be going chapter by chapter through Loose Units, the book, and Dad will tell us the story behind my version of events. It'll be thrilling, revelatory, and as always, very very loose. Welcome to Loose Units Origins. Hello and welcome to Loose Units Origins. Every week I sit down with my dad, John Verhoeven, who used to be a cop, and we talk about the story behind the book that I wrote about him called Loose Units. It's convoluted, I know, but this week we are up to chapter... oh, chapter 14. It's called The Pursuit, and The Pursuit pretty much centers around dad. I guess it's one of the stories where, dad, you kind of ran into some of the... what I would regard as some of the kind of grosser side of police behavior um you know just just the general brutality of what cops would do uh to get the job done back in the 80s Mm. um we talked last week about ant-man and his partner and the kind of love triangle which i assume sort of just sorted itself out but Mm. you, you at this point at this point in your career as a cop had you seen much brutality yet no but paul before we get into it you normally say dad how are you Oh, I'm sorry. How are you? Bloody marvellous. Are you dealing with the heat okay? It is very hot here in Sydney. Mm. It's really hot. So I've um, I've got myself a nice glass of iced water. Ooh. Now, for those people in the Northern Hemisphere, uh, that'll sound a little bit weird, iced water, because if you were to just, for example, in the Northern Hemisphere, leave a glass of water outside all night, it'd probably turn into ice. Mm-hmm. Um, but in Sydney, if you leave a glass of water out overnight, um, there'll be nothing left in the morning because where we are, we shall have, um, marsupials, mainly, uh, what are those things called? Possums. (laughs) That's it. We had a possum last night come down onto our balcony. Yeah. And it knocked over the, uh, all the washing. I thought it was an intruder. Oh, okay. And I went from zero adrenaline. Mm Mm-hmm. To maximum adrenaline. Oh, so you went into full cop mode. I was thinking to myself, mm-hmm. because I've just had this knife professionally sharpened, 
and I was trying to figure out where I'd put the knife. But when I look, this knife, I probably wouldn't even use it on an intruder. Right, it's such Too a good, good knife. Right. Okay. Okay. Um, so, so you yeah. need a, you need a good knife for your good knife stuff and a crap knife for. I'd only ever use a crappy knife on an intruder. In fact, you... I. Well, yeah. You never. Att- Look, Paul, I've actually got a friend of mine and viewers, block your ears if you feel this is going to be inappropriate. But this friend of mine, he has got knives hidden all over his place and razor blades everywhere. Above Why? doors, in case he ever gets broken into. Emergency haircuts? Everything. He's, he's just, it's actually quite, I think it's fairly terrifying. You know who I, I you know, know that I know who you are. He's a friend. He's a nice guy. Yeah, but based on my... I mean, I know this is going to be cryptic for listeners, but would I guess, looking at this person, that they have 400 knives hidden in their house? Yes. Really? I'd look at them and go, you seem not like the 400, kind of- Paul. You've, you've... Not 400. That's... Right. I mean... How many? Well, I know that he's got... He told me about around about 10. And then when he said razor blade, I thought, mm, that's pretty serious. Why would you... I mean, there's no reach on a razor blade, surely. No, but it's for up close. For up close. Cut and slash. Cut and slash. I know, what is he, sounds... a greaser? This isn't West Side Story. No, what no, is this a... guy, he knows some fairly nefarious people. Mm-hmm. Um, if I knew someone had knives hidden in their house, I wouldn't go in that fucking house. No, right? but if you're it's... a crim, mm-hmm. you'd be going in people's houses. Right. But unless... I mean... The number of knives, I'm guessing he has them hidden in... All hidden in, in incredible places. He's a smart guy. Useful, well, I mean, useful locations so that he could get them at a moment's notice, Okay, right? Paul, okay, hear me yeah. out. You and Tegan are uh-huh. fast asleep one night in your yep. new place. Yep. Someone shimmies up the side of the building. Uh-huh. And they come in, they, they somehow, they've got a glass cutter. Mm-hmm. They cut the pane of glass on your balcony. Yep. And all of a sudden... You wake to a torch being shone on both of you. Okay. Two in the morning. Yeah. What are you going to do? Uh, well, and, I certainly... And seriously, what are you going to do? What am I seriously going to do? Mm. Apart from um, shit your pants. Yeah, look, let me tell you something. If I had knives hidden all over the house, I wouldn't reach for a knife and attack him with a knife. I guess what I would do is... Yeah, I'd probably defecate in his general direction. Mm-hmm. Um, I... <laughs> Are you saying that a <laughs> having knives hidden in opportune places is a sane thing to do? No, I'm not. I'm just. I'm genuinely like. What? I mean, okay. Look, my perspective doesn't doesn't mean jack shit. I mean, I've never. No, I'm, it I'm does not, because it happens to people. What I was going to ask is, I yeah, mean, but your perspective night. is, yeah, your perspective is the valuable one here. So let's be on, like, be honest. Give me the advice. You're very what? sweet, Paul. That's very sweet to say. I mean, I th- I, I think everyone has um, a valid opinion and and we all react differently under stress um i mean you and i are sitting here in a fairly sort of theoretical chilled environment um we have time on our side the the sun is shining we're we're chilled we're we're talking about a hypothetical you know but this friend of mine that i i got to be a little bit cautious to what i say but i see him regularly mm-hmm. and i was definitely taken aback when he mentioned this, and I'm I'm surprised that he mentioned it so openly, um, but you know, what 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 do you do 
if someone breaks into your house or apartment. I, I think for me, if someone broke in, and we do live in a fairly, I won't say dodgy area, but we do have our fair share of of people that may be predisposed mm-hmm. to, to wanting to break into. Uh, in fact, if you look in our area's apartments, uh, most of the ground floor apartments where we live in this part of Sydney, they've mm-hmm. pretty well all got bars. Now, that is a key indicator that sometime in the past there have been a lot of break-and-enters in this area. And let's face it, if you're going to do a break-and-enter, why on earth would you break into a shit house in some shitty suburb in a shitty street when you can break into a really nice place in a really nice street in a nice suburb knowing that the spoils of your crime on the balance of probabilities, are going to be, let's say, worth the effort. Because you're still going to be charged with break, enter and steal. Yeah. Whether it be an abominable shithouse or a magnificent, salubrious waterfront apartment. That might be full of knives. Well, I mean, think about... I was thinking, Paul, about the Night Stalker. Funnily enough, I woke up this morning and I was we, we headed out in the dark and that's not listeners heading out to commit a crime, that's heading to the beach this morning. Um, and I was actually thinking about the night stalker and I was thinking about how he must have felt prior to entering all those houses to commit those horrendous crimes I guess one of the things about, I mean, he, maybe the adrenaline drives you to a place of incredible excitement and exhilaration. We know that he sexually gratified himself, as do a lot of arsonists. You know, these, the the tension and the stress and the and the anxiety all come together into this sort of explosion of just, well, both metaphorical and and realistic. Mm. Am I going down the rabbit hole, Paul? A little bit. I mean, I've just realised. First of all, you didn't tell me how you would contend with an intruder. I, I thought that I, was yeah. My primary concern would be Christine, and 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 I guess if you've got a partner, and you're sleeping um, in the same room or bed, although lots of people you know, don't necessarily even sleep in the same, you know, whatever. But oh, um, a, yeah, there's a Bertinoni sitch going on. Yeah, yeah. Right. So um, the thing, Paul, is. I mean, do you have a weapon at hand? Do I? Or no, should that's I? that's sort of a that was a sort of a general just question putting it out there into the ether. Right. But if someone had broken into our apartment and I because it's fairly well lit where we are, mm-hmm. um, I would see the silhouette. Fear would just I mean, a lot of people are paralyzed with fear, and I'd like to think that I could at least grab a knife and turn the lights on and, and at least let the person know that, you know, you're in for a bit of a... I'm not, I'm, I'm not just going to take this lying down, so to speak. So, do you think that if you brandish a knife at an intruder, it's going to kind of ward them off? My gut feeling is yes, but then again, they may be armed. Yep. And the problem with a knife, mm. if they're not armed, if they manage to decide to come in for the big the struggle, mm-hmm. if they get the knife off you... You've given them a weapon. You've given them a weapon. 
and you may have really pissed them off. Okay. When it could turn into something really, really horrific. Let alone your just, partner. Yeah, I'd heard that you just give them what they want and just, you know, but I mean... Yeah, look, I've uh, I've yeah. thought about that, Paul. I've thought about being robbed at an ATM. Mm. Um, you know, what would I do? I mean, I'm always cautious when I go to an ATM yeah. and you never really know. And, you know, what would you do in a certain situation? Um, you know, if, if it was two or three people that surrounded you and they were armed, you know, I think about... Um, what, what I would do. And I guess, I guess I'd probably capitulate. I certainly wouldn't try and, um, I mean, you could always try and run. Mm -hmm. Um, but look, I I think, yeah, mate, this is, it's, you know, it's a dicky one, isn't it? Look, this is why I was trying to get to this, um, get you to answer that question is because in this chapter and the next chapter of loose units, you encounter violence. Um, you're not at the receiving end of the violence, but you encounter violence, but you are watching somebody who is having a violent act, but, you know, like carried out against them. And watching their reaction must have been fascinating because of finding finding out what people do when they are, you know, when they have violence exacted upon them is it's something not, most of us aren't familiar with. Uh, and I think it's a pretty privileged position to be in to not have been hurt by other people. Mm. Uh, and if you haven't, it's fairly abstract. But I guess a home invasion is a very, very personal thing because your house is meant to be your safe space. But there's no mm. reason why you shouldn't feel safe out and about. And especially, there's no reason why you shouldn't feel safe when encountering police whose job it is to protect you, mm. not to hurt you, right? So, mm. with that in mind, I thought we could plow into these two chapters. We'll do chapter 14 this week, The Pursuit. Mm. And next week, we will do the follow-up chapter, which is called, But Why Do They Call Him Ant-Man? So, mm. uh, chapter 14, The Pursuit starts okay so chapter 14 starts with first of all it's got you i mean this chapter is kind of a recipe for disaster and i was interested when you told me about this story it's about woodstock and dave and you in a car which seems like after that love triangle bullshit that seems like a recipe for disaster but you were hoping for a distraction and you got one so i'm just going to read this excerpt from the book it was a hot night all the windows in the patrol car had been rolled down for the better part of an hour and whatever pretense of geniality that had existed between Woodstock and Dave when they all set out had been smothered by the humidity. John wiped his hands on his shirt before cracking his knuckles and tightening his grip on the wheel. The tension was palpable, and he prayed for something to break it. Late on a weeknight in North Sydney wasn't meant to be this dull. At that exact moment, as if in answer to his prayers, a white Holden Commodore in front of them jerked suddenly, revved its engine and sprang ahead, as if making for a quick escape. In seconds, it was almost too far away for them to catch. John felt the car shift as Dave leaned forward and suddenly alert. Fang it, get the fucker. John obliged and they began their pursuit. Flipping on the siren, he sped up and tried to gain on the vehicle, which swerved wildly one side then the other, before finally committing to the stupidest possible course of action, lurching right, ignoring the one-way sign, and barreling down an almost impossibly narrow alleyway. Without considering whether he could successfully replicate such a tricky maneuver, John told everyone to hang on clenched his teeth, and almost wrenched the handbrake up and out of its housing. Spinning the wheel like a man possessed, he began to yell, fuck, 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 as the car swung hard to one side and drifted, tires screaming angrily, until it was flush with the entrance to the alleyway. Taking a deep breath, he pushed down the handbrake, jammed on the accelerator, spun the wheel back the other way, and resumed his chant of fuck, 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 and, much to his delight, like a snooker ball making an impossible shot, 
6-3 righted itself and slid neatly into the alleyway. Uh, so, apart from the fact that I've made you sound like a goddamn movie star with your driving abilities, I think the upshot here is that you are in pursuit of a man who pulled out in front of you driving erratically. Now, that's kind of all he did, right? I mean, were you looking for that car this night or were you guys just looking for someone to give you an excuse to chase them? No, we were just out on patrol, but there was okay. pent up uh, energy in, yep. in in the car and I was the driver mm. and um, the two guys, one, you know, my buddy, mm. he was in the front and uh, the other guy, he uh, he came along for the ride because occasionally, rarely had a spare um, police officer and they could just sort of basically hang around the station or go out, just choose a car and, and sort of be the third wheel. Right. Now, I was the designated driver and um, I was 21 then, but I'd, I already had about four years, four and a half years driving under my belt. Mm-hmm. And I used to have a friend who had a Jaguar and we used to take the Jaguar out. Now, what I'm about to say, listeners, is completely irresponsible and 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 fairly reckless. But we used to take this Jaguar and he always used to let me drive. And um, we were heading down south out of Sydney one night in his XJ6 4.2 litre magnificent Jaguar. Mm. And, and, and it was a fast car. It was a limousine, but it was really quick and beautiful. And I got it up to about 130 miles an hour, which is fairly quick. Um, on a freeway, we were going so fast that the the front of the Jaguar was aerodynamically designed. The faster you went, the more the front sort of forced its way. The air pressed down on the front of the car. And what it was in effect doing, we were going so fast this night that the the lights that normally shine directly in front of you were actually shining down only a few metres in front of the Jaguar at speed, which meant you could see just in front of you, but you couldn't really see well in front of you. Right. So if something was going to happen, you know, and, and it was dangerous. So we pulled over into this fairly quiet town well south of Sydney, and my friend, he had a toolbox in the back and he had a Phillips head screwdriver and we adjusted the headlights so that at no speed neutral stationary they were facing a lot higher and we kind of did this to each light so that they were actually facing almost up into the sky but we factored in that once we got back up to an incredible speed Mm -hmm. they would kind of come down to a fairly um good semblance of, of, you know, enabling us to see fairly well in front of us. It sounds insane, I know. And um, and I developed and honed my, um, my driving skills to a degree. Um, and I had other friends that had pretty fast cars as well. And I really enjoyed driving. Um, I liked it. And uh, when I became a police officer, I, it was like a... It was like a get-out-of-jail-free, you can drive pretty fast. In fact, as fast as you like, as fast yeah. as the car will enable you to. Yeah. 
And that night when I was driving, I decided to, as, as we started the chase, and I was dealing with these two guys in the car, they were, they were, they were, they didn't give a shit about anything. I mean, I worked with police over the years that would be almost telling me to, well, not almost, they actually used to say, slow down. In fact, some police, generally fairly lazy police, Mm. wouldn't even allow you to put the siren and lights on, no matter what the job was. They just didn't like driving fast. They didn't want to get to any, get to the action before anyone else. They were concerned that if they were the first car there, they'd end up with all the paperwork and the court work. So a lot of police used to just basically sort of calm you down and, and control the rate of speed mm-hmm. because they just simply wanted to be the 20th car arriving because they were lazy. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Um, but these two guys, they, they, they were really, really, they were just out. I guess you could say, I didn't know at the time, Paul, but they were reaching for something, but I didn't know that. Right. Because I didn't have a lot of experience with these, particularly the guy in the back seat. Mm. Um, but I liked this guy. He, um, he was a really, I liked him. 
he's the guy that last week, um, you know, had a bit of a breakdown and was crying and everything. But he was described in the book, and you've told me about the thing he's about to do. How can you like someone who hurts? No, but I mean, I know what you're saying, Paul. But if you met the guy, if I introduce you to him today, um, in our lounge room, for example, uh, well, firstly, if I introduced you to him and I didn't tell you who he was or had been, Mm. you'd have no idea. And if nothing was ever mentioned about the police force... When he left, you'd say to me, Dad, he's a really nice guy. So he's a likable guy likeable. that did bad things. But isn't this the police rescue guy? No. The other guy? Yes, the guy in the back seat. Yes, okay. So he goes on to be a very, very interesting person. And Paul, mm. I did I ever tell you the story about your mother, Christine, mm. when she was a... I mean, she'd been at North Sydney almost a year before I even joined the police force. Yes, I know. She was the first female in uniform in general duties with a group of girls. She parked her little red Mazda out the back of the station Mm -hmm. and one night she went out and she got into her car and like in a fucking horror film, she looked in her, her rear view mirror and there was someone sitting in her back seat. Someone had broken into her car and was sitting looking at her. It's like a scene out of the Mothman prophecies. It's, Jesus I mean, Christ. as a guy, uh, if it had been me, I'd shit bricks. So, I don't know, I'd be... And she, there, there's this guy. Now, what, what did he look like? Do you know? Yeah, I do know what he looked like because... Oh, fuck. Look, there's a whole story about this particular person, yeah. but he was a stalker. Walk, okay, walk us through this in granular detail. This is crazy. Well... He was a stalker and um, he was obsessed with, um, with your mother. Yeah. Uh, because Christine used to get used to... She was used in a lot of publicity shots. Yes, I remember. We, I think we posted a few on the Facebook page. Yeah, yeah. And she was, she was sort of used in police recruiting. We know that because that's her photo was on the floor of the... You know, where I was working at the time and she was in the ad. So this particular person, he was about five foot eight... Um, he had a beard, uh, super fit, and a fucking psycho. And um, so Christine ran back into the uh, back into the station, and um, a couple of the police officers, including, and I guess a central character, is the guy who's sitting in the back of the police car in this chapter that night. Okay. He and a group of, um, including Ant Man. And a couple of the the hardcore guys, mm-hmm. they said to Christine, they said, um, "Look, um, would you like us to, um, you know, to deal with this?" Now, I, I I want you and the listeners to realize, Paul, that this story actually mm-hmm. happened when I was at North Sydney Police Station. When I first met Christine, we had to keep things very very quiet. Uh, as, as quiet as we could for lots of reasons. And yeah. um, I'll never forget um, a couple of police one one night said, look, um, we know who the guy is. Um, and they approached Christine and myself and said, would you like us to, you know, to, to deal with it? And, and uh, Christine and I naively thought that they actually meant just, you know, have a have a bit of a chat with him. 
And then I, um, and we sort of naively said, oh, yeah, look, that's very kind of you and we really appreciate it, you know, have a, have a bit of a chat. And then later on I started to think to myself, I wonder what they actually mean. And I went in and spoke to uh, one of the guys, the guy that's in this chapter sitting in the back of the police car, and I mm-hmm. said to him that night, I said, mate, can you perhaps be a little bit more specific and tell me exactly what you have in store? Now, he then told me that, you know, they were going to deal <clears throat> with this particular guy in a pretty heavy way. And what they were going to do is they were going to basically um, steal a car and um, they were going to uh, to basically deal with it in a fairly horrendous way and then get mean? rid of all the evidence. Um, and I just said, look, this is not, um, no, you can't Hang do on. this. They were going to kill him? Um, look, I'm just going to leave that up to the listener's imagination as to you can well, go as dark and deep as you like, but I can't. But, I'm just not going to say it. But You're telling me this guy is a nice guy and then you're saying that someone was stalking mum so he offered to kill him and dispose of the body. I mean, is that what you're implying here? This yeah, is... kind of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but it was a group, a group, a group sort of thing that they came to, uh, to you know. It was, an, it was sort of a, an implied, um, you know, sort of way of dealing with this particular situation. I mean, I, but it never I, ever I, got... It never got to any of that um, because Christine and I basically said, "Look, Please we really appreciate anyone. we appreciate your, um, your 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 thoughts, but I think we can really deal with this." Uh, so we just kind of let it all slide, and yeah, that's um, that was pretty heavy. Yeah, I uh, I'm happy to keep talking about this cop. I just want to rest on the fact that I mean that's not okay, right? A cop saying, "All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm, I'm struggling with this with this notion." I mean. Mm. I don't. I don't mean to take the side. Well, they, did, of the they just didn't exactly. You, but... They didn't exactly use the word. You know, that's not quite. You know, it was just. Look, you're just given certain facts about. You know, what what can be done. I mean, look, that's not. It's not the first time, and it's certainly not the last time that things like that happen. Did you ever have any other interactions with police where they said stuff like this, where they implied that they would just take care of stuff in a kind of brutal? man or or did you get the impression that this guy would actually have followed through with it or whether he was just kind of full of hot air look some of these guys that we're talking about paul had very uh short fuses right if they blew they blew now they generally blew and took it out on on prisoners um i mean i worked look general duties was was one thing but and i witnessed a lot of um or quite a bit of police brutality back in the 1980s. Right. Um, and I witnessed... Um, I mean, a lot of this is going to come out in, in future chapters, Paul. Well, it's about to come out in the next chapter. Yeah, yeah. But also my first buddy, Len Beter. Yeah. That, 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 that terrible thing he did to that person that night, which is in another chapter. It's later in the book, yeah. So I witnessed that type of stuff... Um, Pretty regularly. But occasionally I'd go up to the detective's office where they had all the interrogation rooms. And I've told you and the listeners, I'm quite sure I've told you quite a few times, but correct me if I'm wrong. But they, the first time I went into one of the interrogation rooms to watch, um, I don't like really using the word interrogation. You really should call it a record of interview, but I guess some of them were actually interrogations, and some of them, and in, in some of them, involved violence. Uh, and sometimes, 
Sometimes there was just an offer or threat of violence. Um, and sometimes it turned into real violence. Mm. And I'll never forget, um, ever, ever, ever forget the first time I went into one of the rooms in the detective's office in North Sydney and behind the door, hanging on the door knob... The, the pull cue. ...was the, the pull strap. cue yeah. with, a, with a leather lanyard through it. And it was the thick end of the pull cue. Now, someone, some person, some detective had taken a lot of time to actually sit down, mm. get a pool cue, cut the end off, drill a hole, get a lanyard, tie it off, bring it into work, or they did it at work, which is even creepier, mm. and then put it behind the door. And I saw that weapon being used on a number of occasions, and occasionally being a a young general duties police officer because you've got to, the listeners need to know that north sydney police station was down the road you had to come out onto the onto the footpath walk up the road probably 100 meters mm. into a nondescript office block with no signage zero signage you yes. would go into this office block you'd make your way on the ground floor towards the back and You'd come into this room that was the size of a tennis court. And when it was busy, by golly, it was busy. And then if you looked through the glass windows out into the back lane, to the left of that big room were multiple small, I'd almost call them cubicles. And inside those individual rooms, which were interview rooms, if they had a prisoner and they were going to interrogate or, or whatever, they'd take them into these rooms. But the weird thing about the rooms is that they had glass windows, which meant, and they weren't frosted. So if someone was having the shit kicked out of them or being beaten or had, being, having a revolver stuck down their throat, everyone else could see it and no one really gave a fuck. <laughs> I mean... So, this, so what you're saying is that with this kind of culture of violence... It's hardly surprising that you had offers like that. From not surprising at all. Yeah. Okay. So there was a bit of a culture. Mm. Okay. But um, just coming back to my driving skills for a sec. Okay. Um, when I was heading, I, I felt really empowered by these two guys. One of them was just whacking me on the back of the of the of my, of my head or my shoulders or whatever. He was, he was. He was. He yeah. was. He was. He was just saying. Just and it was the the adrenaline. For me, it was the first time I actually got to really go hard in a police car. Mm. Like really, really just fang it. And um, and you're doing it le- kind of legitimately. Because let's face it, we don't know what that person who's just pissed off, we don't know what he's... I mean, has he just raped someone? Has he just committed an armed robbery? Is he just about to do a massive drug deal? Does he have a, a six-year-old kid in the boot? You don't know. So... All these things are going through your mind. Most people don't... I mean, this guy was, was actually an idiot. I mean, he obviously... Look, he he probably didn't realise there was a police car behind him. Um, but when he took off... Down, he, did, he clearly didn't know the area. He, he was he was spooked. Yeah. So we're, we're, we're coming along to this. And, and I had to make a really quick instantaneous decision. So I just reefed on the handbrake. Mm. 
and then at the same time spun the steering wheel to the right. What effectively that, that does is that it enables the rear wheels to lock up. And as you turn the wheel to the right, hard right, the back of the car slides out and it slid out 90 degrees. So what it does, it actually puts you, if it works, if it works, it's really good. If it, if it doesn't work, it's a spectacular failure. Okay. But on this particular occasion, it worked beautifully. So when the car kind of, when I released the handbrake, we'd done a, a 90 degree turn, mm-hmm. quarter of a circle. Which put the front of the police car looking directly down the alleyway. It was beautiful. That's some good driving. It was good driving. And to be fair, there was a combination of skill and luck. Everything came together. There was no one else on the street. It was dark. It was about, from memory, it was an afternoon shift. So it was around about maybe 9 p.m. And we could see the car and we could see it down this, the end of this alleyway with its, with its, with its lights, brake lights on. So he'd clearly stopped and then he would have looked in his, his rear vision mirror realising it's a dead end, it's really narrow, he can't reverse. Well, he could, he could come flying back and we'd have a kind of a head-on. Um, and he, at that point in time, this, this alleyway, by the way, was so narrow at that point that he could hardly get out of his car. So he was well and truly fucked. And the two guys that I was working with they were like greyhounds at the start of a race. And this guy in the car at the end of the alleyway was the hare. And he was he was trapped. And uh and that's that's a case as for the as for next week. Um, as for next week. That's a bloody good week. teaser. I mean, so you've basically cornered this guy and you know that these two men are capable of violence. You know there's a culture of violence, you know they're revved up and you know something bad's about to happen. What a what a cliffhanger. Um, yes. Now, Paul, hmm. before before you go, yeah. can I just spring something on you that I think is going to get you really excited and, and the listeners too? Yeah, sure. Now, I, I purposely haven't said anything and I know you go, oh, God, Dad, what are you going to say? Now, you're in control of this, so you know you can cut this out. But this morning, very early, mm-hmm. we had a message from Anne and she was on a train heading from Switzerland to Berlin. Mm -hmm. She said, Dad, I have a story to tell you. Now, if you know Anne, your sister, our wonderful, wonderful daughter, you know that that is incredibly out of character. Now, she said, Dad, once you've done your run and swim, I want you to call me. And I was nervous. So many different things went through my mind as to what on earth this story could be. And listeners and Paul, Anne told me a story this morning. I sat in the car and it's one of the most wonderful, extraordinary police stories, hot off the press, never told before. And I would like to share that story with all of you this Friday. That sounds fantastic. And as, a, as an added thing, why don't we get Anne to dial in and at least introduce the story for us? What do you think? Paul, no, one's, no one's heard Anne on the show before. It's been Paul, years. sweet, sweet, lovely Anne actually suggested that. And I said, well, I mean, 
we'll have to work the times out because it's so so late. I know. I'll, we'll figure something out. Okay. Even if it's a pre-record, we'll figure something out. Okay. All right. Because, mm-hmm. um, let me just say that a, a train trip that should have taken just a few hours ago mm-hmm. and got on this train in Switzerland. And so imagine she got on the train 12 hours ago mm-hmm. for a four-hour trip. Listeners, as you're listening to me talk, she's still on the train. And she's been on that train for a long, long time. Jesus and it's Christ. a story... And Paul, during the week, do not try and tease anything. She's sending me a synopsis of the story. Okay. Um, she's very, very happy for me to, to, to just tell the entire story because it's, okay. it's a beautiful story. She's mm-hmm. going to send me a synopsis. That way we maintain some very, very good sort of audio uh, quality. Mm-hmm. Um, but it'll, it'll, it, listeners, you are in for a treat. Awesome. Well, that was a great episode and we've got a huge one on Friday. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening to Loose Units Origins. Thanks, Dad, for coming along and chatting. And and we'll see you all on Friday for a story about a train, which I have no information about. I'm sure it's going to be great. Have a good week, everyone, and we'll see you then. Bye. Cheerio. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.